This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Hey friends, I thought I'd bring back this older episode. It's an oldie but a goodie, Yoga and Symbolism featuring Ray Cardenas. Ray is the owner of Practice Yoga Austin and he is a wealth of knowledge He talks all about mythology in terms of yoga and the symbolism within mythology. I think you're really going to love this episode. This show highlights the science and brings the magic of yoga and mind-body practices down to earth for the everyday person to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Ashley Weber, a yoga and Pilates teacher and forever student who is oh so curious about all things yoga and. I'm super excited to share with you this upcoming conversation. Now let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. Joining us on today's episode is owner of Practice Yoga Austin, Ray Cardenas. How are you today, Ray? I'm doing great. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. Been been hanging out outside, so feeling feeling good. Nice, nice. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell me who you are, what you're about. Sure. Um, one of the owners and founders at Practice Yoga Austin. I am a father of two. What else about me? I've been I've been in the in the yoga game about ten years, and um, I found yoga through a stressful job as a as a professional poker player and uh i needed to you know unwind from the from the stress of that and so that that's that's what led me to yoga and um yeah it's been um it's been a fun fun journey 
Yeah. I, yeah, I read that you were a professional poker player. What an interesting turn of events to lead you to being a owner of a yoga studio and, and, a, and having yoga in your life for 10 years. What is so, what does yoga look like in your own life? You know, right now it's, it's mainly, it's a lot of uh, leading teacher training because of COVID. <laughs> so we had to shift the, the business model a bit um because we did we weren't able to have public classes and um so uh we put our teacher trainings online and and marketed them globally and 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 probably did more than we normally would if if the business was functioning how it usually does um but it's been great because um in terms of my own personal practice i've been more into the um meditative contemplative aspects of, of yoga that the physical practice is still a part of my life but it isn't like a I don't need to do like an hour yoga class every day my body does it I don't get that I used to um and I think and I view that as like a at least for me it was like a rite of passage I got a lot out of practicing for a long time um consistently daily and then you know the 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 practice is fluid and it's more than just this asana and so yeah it's more in in the uh meditative contemplative realm these days i love it and today's episode's all about symbolism and yoga and even some mythology i think we might talk about what does symbolism in the context of yoga look like exactly well you know one one way to 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 look at it as just like um, there's symbolism embedded in the names of, of the poses and there's like qualities, you know, in, in, um, in the physical postures that, that, um, you know, call forth these, these um, archetypes, so to speak. And, um, you know, so it's embedded in the poses, um, yoga was initially utilized as a means of engaging with the spiritual realm when we go back to ancient india we look at like okay how did you know yoga like what what is that in the context of of ancient india and it was like it was the means by which people were able to gain a better understanding of the spiritual realm, which was uh, was uh, a higher priority back then, and had seen in the practices that they did, where they it was more about renunciation, and and so there was a a bigger emphasis placed on the the non physical world than there is today, and um, so um, nowadays um, symbols serve as like a gateway to the non-physical world because they had their their images or stories that have meaning embedded in them and the meaning reveals itself on, on very to varying degrees depending on the depth of understanding of the person experiencing the symbol but it isn't uh it isn't arbitrary it isn't personal there's like a there's a a set of meaning embedded in a symbol that will reveal itself, you know, in different ways to different people. But 
but it's a consistent thing. It's objective. It isn't subjective. Mm. So we'll get we'll get into deeper, more in detail about symbolism. But my I'm just curious what specifically in, or if there's anything in particular inspired you to look deeper into symbolism. One thing that inspired me to look into symbolism um, and just meaning in general was the fact that I got super burnt out by kind of arbitrarily constructing my own value system mm. uh, because my, my understanding of, of yoga at a certain point in my life was like, it's all one, it's all neutral you get to kind of make up your own rules. And so I was doing that for a while and it was exciting and liberating for a while, but I didn't have like a comprehensive understanding of like my own being and the nature of reality. Or, and not that I do now or anything, but I have a different perspective on it. And um, basically the things that I was doing, which was um, just kind of listening to my instincts, my, my will was in my, my instincts um so i would i would i would act based on whatever impulse came my way because i would say well i'm experiencing this impulse i'm going to honor that and and listen to my body so to speak as it's kind of like a a bit of a cliche in yoga and so um basically that what that ended up doing was creating uh, unconscious appetites that then zapped my energy. And I was like, Hey, what's going on here? And I just, at a certain point, I was like, you know what, like, this is not right. <laughs> and my whole life, I rebelled against, um, you know, systems of control or culture or standards that, that were, were, of being, you know, forced upon me, in my opinion, I was like, I'm going to make my own rules. And then I just realized at a certain point, like, hey, wait a second, maybe the collective uh, knowledge and wisdom of humanity across, you know, thousands of years is uh, there, there might be something to it that might be worth looking into. And so that's when I started trying to, instead of rejecting things that I didn't understand, I, I wanted to look more deeply into them and say like what's valuable here mm. I mean that's that's amazing that's um I, I feel like I know hardly anything about symbolism now and I'm so excited to learn um more let's talk about how the chakra system plays into symbolism yeah um my my relationship to the chakras is uh it's, it's funny because when I first, you know, was exposed to them, I was like, oh, this is hokey. This is, this is kind of new age. It's, it, it seems to be just like a made up, you know, thing. And um, the reality of it is that like the chakra meditation um, is like one of the oldest practices of yoga and granted it looked different back in the day like the chakras were were deities themselves like you would chant a mantra and implant a deity in a certain part of your your body to you know cultivate the qualities associated with that deity within yourself and um you know as 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 <laughs> 
as consciousness evolves, you, you, you know, people feel less connected to the meaning of, let's say, like a Hindu deity. And there's something more intrinsic now about like, like the meaning of a color. And it might not be conscious, you know, but, but like when you see a color, it, it acts upon you in an instinctual way and there's there's meaning embedded in color and if you take like a marketing class or something like that an advertising class they'll they'll give you a like a template with like the colors and, and every quality that's associated with them so there's inherent meaning in mm-hmm. in the colors and and to me like i didn't want to get into the chakras but uh uh the the person who was leading the chakra module in our teacher training uh, had had to stop. And so we didn't have anyone to do it. And so I was like, well, you know, this was right around the time when I was kind of transitioning from my instinctual consciousness to a, to a more like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn more about these uh, different methods. And uh, so I was like, I'll take it on. And um, yeah, it, it, it it was, it was, uh, I had to figure out a way to make them genuinely meaningful to me. And then I, I stumbled upon Gertian color theory and it relates to like, um, the phenomenology of color, the meaning directly embedded in color and how it, and how that can be found in nature. And it's specifically in relationship to the sun. And like, like when the sun comes up in the morning, it looks red at the very beginning right and then as it goes higher and higher it transitions into to yellow and so like there's a lot of cool like reasons why that is and and there's meaning associated with it and we talk about it in teacher training but i guess one thing i can say about it is when that when you look at the sun uh through the darkness of earth's atmosphere it looks red right and so that means that darkness or excuse me light emitting from the sun seen through darkness looks red but then but then when you look up at the sky so like the question why is the sky blue yeah uh so once the sun has been shining on on the earth for a while and the light rays are bouncing through the atmosphere so there's a bunch of light we know that like up in outer space it's pitch black right so it's dark it's darkness in outer space so darkness seen through light looks blue light seen through darkness looks red and so like the lower chakras are gradients of red and the higher chakras are gradients of blue and then the highest chakra is purple which is the blue and the red mixed together and that's the oneness the sahasrara chakra at the top you know and so there's all just and and like blue has a quality that like draws you towards it like you're looking out at the ocean you're like oh this is so majestic and i'm inspired i'm called to you know this uh deeper state of being i see that and red has a quality that like confronts you and you're like whoa maybe i should like you know step back and stop like a stop sign or a red light or something like that you know so there's different and and so that then that's associated with where you come into a physical body and you're Mm -hmm. confronted by reality of of being embodied and that's the gradients of red of the lower chakras are associated with like the instinctual ego and so yeah there's just it's a great way to 
know yourself more fully is the short answer to that. Yeah. I love, I love what you're talking about the color and seeing the, the lightness through dark and seeing the darkness through light and how that's associated with the chakras. I never knew any of that. I was like, why is the sky blue? Um, You just answered, answered, why is the sky blue? It's awesome. Um, Wow. So um, let's get into some of the mythology side. If you want to share Ganesh, Kali, all that, uh, would you like to elaborate more on the mythology and the symbolism? Yeah, Ganesh is a good, um, is a good one to talk about because he's so ubiquitous, so recognizable and you know, um, big in the, big in the yoga world. And, um, the thing too, about symbols is like, we, we're in a rational age where, where it's, it's helpful for us to understand things on a rational level, but it's also helpful, more useful, I would say, to let a symbol hit you on a non-rational level. And that's simply by like, so if, like just beholding the, the symbol, let's say it's like a picture of Ganesh mm-hmm. and you just let it work upon you in a way that isn't like communicating explicit meaning. Granted, like having a general idea of what, what like the general understanding of the meaning of Ganesh is, is good and that can, that can take you down a, a deeper path, but, but really an authentic way to relate to a symbol is to let it let it hit you on like the emotional level and just the instinctual level. And so we can see like in in Ganesh, he's got just looking at the symbol without really knowing the story behind him. You can see like, okay, this is a big entity. It's got a big belly and he's got an elephant head. And so he's the symbol of, of the, the ordering principle, the universal order. And so what it tells you is like, okay, the universe is vast, right? There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's one thing about Ganesh. Um, the other, the other aspect of like, if you look at just Ganesh or a lot of these other deities, even like, like Shiva and, and Dorga, you look at their eyes and you see this kind of like blank stare it's like the eyes half open half closed it's like you know when I say soften your gaze in yoga you're kind of cultivating this look with your eyes but it's it's the idea that um, they're looking out onto like into the physical world but they're also looking in at the same time into a, a spiritual reality so so as as symbols they exist as the bridge between the physical reality and the and the non-physical and and they're they're forms that enable us to glimpse formless truth. And uh, so, so Ganesh has been said, he's like, the, he's the, the formless one who, who took a form for the benefit of his devotees so that they could gain a greater understanding. And there's an interesting uh, aspect of Ganesh where like one of his tusks is full and long and the other one's broken. And there's a, there's a relationship to that between like the long uh, beam of the cross and the short beam of the cross. They have a similar meaning embedded in Ganesh's tusks and, and um, his trunk is an instrument of 
of yoga his tr like an elephant's trunk is the means by which you know they get things done and so an elephant's trunk can pick up a grain of rice or it can knock over a tree <laughs> and so it can do really big things or really small things so it kind of shows the the connection between again like uh the ever-present eternal reality and the temporary physical reality and um all the symbols abide in this context of as above so below mm -hmm. so it basically says like like where we're at here is a microcosm of the eternal non-physical reality and you can glimpse those truths through understanding the meaning that is you know concealed behind natural phenomena mm. yeah and i used to think that like you know you hear the trope that um nature's an illusion right or there's maya the illu the illusory aspect of nature and so some people hear that and they're like okay well i'm not gonna if it's an illusion then whatever i'm just gonna like reject it not not look too deeply into it but what it, what it really means is like there's an illusory aspect of nature, but there's a deeper meaning behind the illusion that you can discover. And so it doesn't mean that you should say, oh, nature's an illusion, are going to reject it. That's kind of what the ancient Indian did. They're like, mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a hindrance to, to self-realization is what they thought was nature. And then as time progressed and like modes of teaching like uh, Tantra, came about it was like no nature and the physical body that's the means for realization and transcendence so you should try to know the deeper aspects of yourself as an embodied being and the natural world around you and that's how you can connect with the higher levels not by rejecting it and like closing your eyes and only you know focusing on the inner reality so um, when you talk about nature and the symbolism there like a, and maybe a really basic example would be like an animal totem. Like you, you walk outside and suddenly you see a fox and you're in the suburbs and there you want to look up that animal. What does that animal, animal maybe symbolize? Would mm. that be an example of looking into nature for that? Absolutely. Yeah. Animals like, yeah, they, they, uh, they represent qualities that are within us. Mm. Like if you, if you think about, if you think about, um, I guess, how you can know some, like get to know the unknown, there, there, it has to be related to the known. And so there's something in us that enables us to relate to the energy of a fox mm. right? or of, a, of an elephant, you know? So there's some, and it's, it's intuitive. Symbolism really is intuitive, but, but our rational consciousness that's come about from our you know technological prowess um, has kind of dulled our intuition so we all have the ability to intuit meaning from symbols but it's just a matter of taking the time to to value that and and to yeah to cultivate that that faculty it's called a, a suprasensory perception so wow. Yeah, and so with with Ganesh, I will say one last thing about him because because the in his uh, in his origin story, like he gets created by Parvati, who's the divine feminine, who's you know 
uh, in concert with uh, Shiva, who's the divine masculine, and 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 Shiva is uh, is away from Parvati for you know there's a bunch of different stories as to why it is, and she doesn't know when he's coming back. So basically, the the union of masculine and feminine has been separated, and as a result, Parvati creates a son out of the the uh, skin of her foot in some versions of the story she rolls up soon and makes it into a, a human boy and and he serves as the gatekeeper for her her bedroom and then shiva comes back and decapitates the boy and uh parvati and soon realizes like oh i shouldn't have done that parvati basically lets them know like hey you messed up uh you need to get this boy a new head immediately you have to decapitate the first animal that you see and and uh put put its head on on my, on our son and so they see an elephant cuts the elephant's head off puts it on the boy's head and then as a result of that whole circumstance that's the really abbreviated version of the story oh. but that the masculine and feminine come back together around this new child and um shiva in the story, he gives the child the gunas. I don't know if you know what the, the gunas or the forces of nature. It's just, you know, just mm -hmm. the aspects of natural reality. And so that's why the meaning of that aspect of the story is Ganesh is now, he's the ruler of the gunas. He's the, he's the symbol of the orienting principle of the universe, the way that the natural elements relate to each other. <laughs> I mean, I always seen the symbol or I've seen it in the yoga world and um I didn't I didn't know the backstory I didn't know that it was a decapitated sun and then an elephant head on top um mm -hmm. wow and then decapitation in mythology has a meaning too it's it's uh, sort of like uh you you think things are one way and then you get initiated into a new school of of like a new understanding and then in a sense that's a decapitation and you're put a new head on like a new understanding so it's it's, yeah it's a metaphor for a rite of passage oh my gosh do you want to talk about Kali because I feel like she's all over the place in the yoga world and it might be mysterious uh to some totally. mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so Kali is is an expression of Dorga mm. and Dorga is the 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 one who rides the tiger and has the 10, sometimes it's 10 arms, sometimes it's eight arms. And she kind of has the blank expression on her face. And, oh. and she, there's the, one of the popular uh, images of her and stories around her is where she's like killing this water buffalo demon. And she's got this blank expression on her face. Like it's not a big deal. You know, it's this intense circumstance, but she's very calm. Oh. And what that tells us is that she's, she's the symbol for what's called adi shakti or is like the 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 divine feminine as in like the most zoomed out state and the feminine is uh that which can bring forth all forms and so dorga is like the blank slate potential and and kali is like one expression of the feminine and she comes forth in a battle with a, a demon who got granted a a boon a wish from brahma and his wish was because so like this demon 
and a demon in Hindu mythology is just someone who's selfish, like who has, they'll, they can be helpful, they can help others, but a demon ultimately has self-centered motives. And so this guy's motive, I don't know, he, 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 he wanted to serve himself, wanted to be the most powerful, and he did a bunch of yoga or a bunch of tapas to generate power and, and, and was thus granted a wish by the universe. And his wish was that whenever he shed a drop of blood, that a thousand more of himself would would emerge and so that way he could never be killed or stopped and so and so uh he's wreaking havoc on the universal order as demons do for self-centered purposes and and they're like okay who can beat this guy dorga we need you so dorga's fighting this guy and uh and she, you know, she's cutting him up, beating him, you know, because she's also a god, very powerful goddess. And, but he keeps on coming back. And so she's getting frustrated. She's turning into all these different forms to try to stop him. And then finally, the, the, the end point form that arises is Kali. And she, um, you know, how she's got that long tongue and she's drinking the, blood on the battlefield and she has all those heads that are the same head that's the demon that she's keeps killing and and so the way that she ends up beating this guy is that she's before the drops of blood can hit the ground and turn into demon she's drinking all the blood with that long tongue and so she's like the ultimate uh you know destroyer feminine principle that 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 resets the the order when the order has become corrupted. So like this demon corrupted the universal order and she's, she's resetting it. But what happens is she gets drunk off the blood and she's doing this dance and it's going to, it's going to destroy the whole universe. And, and Shiva's trying to meditate at, at his uh, mountaintop palace. And he's shaken by the, the intensity of the dance. So he's like, Oh no, I better go see what's going on. And, um, so he goes and she sees her doing this dance of destruction and he has the impulse because that's his beloved. That's, that's the divine feminine, you know, they're, they're in relationship. And so he lays down at her feet and lets her dance on him. And then, so she starts to realize in this drunken ecstatic dance of destruction that she's killing her husband and she stops and she oh, reverts back to the yeah, other I form. never knew all that. Yeah. I didn't know that he, I didn't know that was him. Oh my gosh. And so that's just like a, it's, it's a story about the kind of, you know, back and forth of the universe and just the, the masculine film, how it's always moving like a kind of like a sinusoid, you know, like a pulsation. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's going one way and then it has to get destroyed, go the other way. And then that has to get, reoriented and and back up and down so it's it's just the the back and forth of the masculine and feminine is what that story is about wow that i mean that is wild um what what would be so there's so i mean this is we're just touching like the tip of the iceberg on symbolism and yoga i mean these are just two mythological um beings that we you talked about but and there's uh, there's a whole world more and then there's chakras and then there's i mean there's so many ways um to explore symbolism 
what advice would you give to someone who is like brand new to this idea of symbolism and yoga? Where, where should they begin in learning more? Yeah, I, um, I was thinking about that. And I would say that the first thing to do is um, like start to just cultivate your intuitive faculty and mm -hmm. look at some of this stuff. And, and there's a lot of resources on, online, of course, but it's really about like your, you kind of have to buy in to the fact that, hey, this is, this is valuable. There has to be some sort of impulse, some reason. So maybe it'll, maybe the idea too, is that if you can engage deeply with the meaning of a symbol, then you can, um, you can shift your own state that symbol can act upon you in a, in a, it's a non-rational, it can be rational, but in a more than rational way that actually shifts your whole being. So like, for example, um, like I just made a post on the practice yoga IG about um, the fool archetype because it's April fool's day. Mm -hmm. And like, I've been noticing in myself, like that lately I've been feeling very opinionated and very like, uh, I don't know, judgy and, and of, of other people's opinions. And, and, um, and so when it, but today being April fools, I got, I bring the, the fool archetype is like up in my, my field of consciousness. And I can, because I have a relationship to the meaning of that archetype, I can be like, I don't need to be so opinionated and judgmental and bogged down by my identification with, with what's right and what's wrong. I can channel this, this full archetype as a reminder of like, hey, I don't really know what's going on. No one really knows what's going on. It's okay to kind of just stumble about and, and be, you know, at peace with life and the world. So it's really about being able to, to shift your your state just like a yoga pose can serve to sh shift your state you can relate to the to a symbol to to enable a, a state shift and so i would say just you know look at look at some typological symbols or or, or read about some mythological um symbolism read some myths with uh with just eyes that want to see and like with with an open mind open heart there's a, there's a book called um eye of the heart by cynthia burjo it's a new book and um the beginning of it's really relatable she she offers up a like a story about her own life and relates it to the jonah story jonah and the whale and how like you know sometimes when you're trying to do what you want to do and it doesn't work out that's because there's a bigger purpose for you and so just like relating um like a story in your own life where you've like like let's say you feel guilty about something or you're hard on yourself you're bummed that something didn't work out if you channel that meaning behind the jonah myth then you can see your own circumstance through a new light and and it frees you up from the the burden of your own instinctual understanding and it mm. gives you energy to like move forward in a new way and so yeah just uh i would say when you meditate also you like meditating is uh you know you you're like dulling the senses and noticing the forces that are acting upon you inside and the more that you do that 
those forces will kind of start to crystallize into images and that's a way to relate to symbols so you'd be like okay this quality oh yeah that kind of reminds me of like you know um i don't know when kali was licking up the blood, like this anger that i feel about this thing. okay i see and maybe that was necessary but maybe i need to stop because now it's starting to get destructive beyond what it should be you know so um there's that and then uh, there's there's a youtube channel a lot, there's um a lot of the resources that I use, if you're comfortable with like uh, Christian symbolism, there's a YouTube channel called The Symbolic World. And that's, that was really helpful for me too, is because once I started to embrace symbolism as a whole, I also kind of realized that like, just for me, I was like, I need to try to apply this to, to Christianity because I resented it so much because as a child, like Western civilization, I felt that it was just you know, wrong and oppressive. And, and so I, I decided to take a deeper look into that symbolism as well. And it was really helpful for me to understand it on a deeper level and relate it to yoga because it all, it all relate. Yoga is, you know, how can I unite things within myself as opposed to being against and being separate? Like what's, what's good here? What's valuable here? Um, stripping away that which isn't valuable um so yeah the symbolic world is a good youtube channel there's um there's a there's an ig account called uh hinduism and science that kind of explains some of these narratives and symbols and uh it's a little bit propagandistic the account is because i think it's like a Indian right-wing nationalists, you know, but so it goes deep on like, you know, the meaning of, of Hindu and you can tell they're of, of Hinduism and you can tell that they're like super into it. But I, I love, you know, some of the stuff that they, that they're writing on there about the, the myths. And, and then there's also a, an Instagram account. If you want to get real kind of esoteric with it, uh, there's an Instagram account called Gnostic Rosicrucian. And um, that's a good one too, to check oh. out for symbolism. <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah. I have a symbolism story that happened to me recently. Um, I was, uh, and you know, I also think yoga just makes you more aware. And so you can pick up on things that are right in front of you. But I had a, I had a job, you know, this has been in the pandemic. I've had a lot of jobs where I'm just hustling, delivery driving, dog walking. I mean, every job, you know, <laughs> and I felt like I needed to let this one job go, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was just like making it up all day long. I saw Eagles all day mm. long exploring and that I just trusted that in my gut, I was thinking I needed to move on. And I kept seeing all these Eagles, even Eagle pose came up in yoga a bunch, you know, and what does Eagles symbolize to me? Well, you know, freedom, soaring, letting go, flying away. Right. And so that really, I just, I mean, it, you know, it's not, not rational, you know, necessarily, but I just trusted that, oh, this is weird. I'm seeing all these eagles all of a sudden. What is it? What is it trying to tell me? Um, and so I let it go and it was a great decision, but. Um, I'm glad you brought that up about attention and because yeah, yoga does cultivate your capacity for attention and then you become more aware of those uh, synchronicities like that, like you see in the eagles and the eagle imagery, and then that acts upon you. And that's, that's the imaginal realm mm. guiding you, you know, like you're, you're being guided and, 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 and maybe like a, an intuition is being reinforced. So I thought, yeah, that's, that's, uh, 
That's cool. I'm glad that you noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Before yoga, I would have just been like, oh, Ashley, that's ridiculous. You know? Yeah. So totally. yeah, just trusting that intuition. So um, I, would you like to do the rapid fire round? Yes, I would love that. Okay. These are some hard hitting questions. So I hope you're right. ready. I think I'm ready. So how it works, I'm sure you can you can gather that I'll ask you a question. The first uh, answer that comes to mind, you'll rapidly um, answer um, okay. to a fired question. So favorite color? Green. Favorite dessert? Um, cheesecake. Oh. Favorite favorite song or genre of music? Favorite song? Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> I really oh, like this song called "Narcos" by Anuel. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> One of your top five books? Um, yeah, my favorite book is called "Meditations on the Tarot." Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a great book. Highly recommend it. Favorite restaurant in Austin? Favorite restaurant in Austin is uh, I've been loving uh, Better Half. You ever I been over there? I don't know Better Half, and I feel like I know all the restaurants in Austin. It's the guys uh, that own Brew and Brew, and they, uh, they it's over off uh, East Fifth, or excuse me, West Fifth. And West. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, it's at uh, like Pressler and and West Fifth. It's really good. Oh. They got such a good cheeseburger it's so oh, good. okay yeah. cool. oh it, they got veggie burgers too they have the mural they have the mural on the side or is uh, no they don't no. have the mural no i don't think that's them but they have a huge majestic tree in the back patio that just looks amazing and uh oh, cool. Mm -hmm. cool, yeah cool. check it out better half better half oh that you're thinking of the butter half mural you're yeah, my butter seventh um, yes yeah. i okay. yeah and I kind of jokingly call better half, butter half. So. half. Yeah, I'm sure they love it. <laughs> favorite yoga pose? Um, I honestly, my favorite one that I've been liking right now is uh, where you, uh, it's like a variation of windshield wiper where you drop your knees to one direction and then um, activate your legs and um, do a little like uh energetic line from your front hip point to your knee and it like stretches your hip flexor and your quad and just feels so good nice so a little windshield wiper <laughs> cool i'm unexpected i guess <laughs> that i do like that pose though favorite style of yoga yeah i i like the um, alignment based yoga that's you know i just uh that's the yoga that we that i teach in the teacher training and it's sort of like um where you apply consistent principles to to each shape it doesn't say like each shape has to be like this look like this it's just a consistent set of actions that become a ritual in each pose and and to me that just that does it for me so alignment based yoga oh well thank you for playing the game um i love i love rapid fire because you never know what people are going to say cheesecake what a random yeah, you know, and, I, and uh, you got to have like the graham cracker crust and uh, maybe the, the pineapple preserves on there. Oh, pineapple. Pineapple okay. cheesecake. Yeah. Exotic cheesecake. 
super good yeah tropical yeah well thank you so much for being on the show this was so awesome to have you on and connect um where can people find you um people can find me i i uh i do most of the practice yoga austin instagram and um also i'm on ig personal account is uh raise awareness that's r-e-y-s underscore awareness and um yeah that's where that's where people can find me you can also find me in the practice yoga zoom room on tuesday nights at 7 30 and um and in studio in person um wednesdays at noon so i'd love to love to have you in class Great. And all of Ray's and Practice Yoga Austin's infos in the show notes. So you're just one click away from connecting with Ray. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope to have you back soon. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you receive value from the show, please write us a five-star review and or you can text this episode to just one friend who you know will love yoga and podcast. We thank you so much in advance for the huge favor. Word of mouth helps support the show in reaching a greater audience and we could not grow without you. If you want to connect with us, our email is yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out y-o-g-a-a-n-d podcast at gmail. Please follow us on Instagram at yoga and podcast. We are now on TikTok. The handle is also yoga and podcast. When you follow us, we will follow you right back on both platforms. Music is by Mama Duke. Graphics, guest booking, and media by me, your host, Ashley Weber. I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening.